Welcome to the I Don't Give a Should show, a podcast exploring all the ways that women should all over themselves. How many times do you find yourself acting out of obligation or doing what everyone else expects from you without stopping to consider why? Where do all those beliefs that are driving you come from? If you're tired of feeling resentful, overwhelmed, stuck, exhausted, or pissed off, you are in the right place. Shooting all over yourself is a real thing, but it doesn't have to be in the driver's seat. I'm your host, Jen Sherwood, and I spent way too many years trying to prove that I was good enough and worrying what other people thought while avoiding conflict at all costs. Today, I don't give a shit. Well, not as many anyway, and neither should you. I'm talking to women like you who figured out how to stop shooting and start living. You're listening to the I Don't Give a Shit Show, episode number 18. Today, my guest is Phyllis Nichols. I'm so excited to have her here. Phyllis is the founder of Sound Advice Strategies, a podcast production company. She's best known for helping clients create unique audio experiences for their listeners. Authors, small business owners, and other creatives use podcasts to tell their stories inspire audiences, and build real connections. Phyllis and the Sound Advice team make sure they sound great and they handle all the tech and marketing details. It's amazing. Phyllis is a salesperson at heart who found her way to podcasts on a dare. I love this. Her husband and business partner was her one-man production team. Humble beginnings. (laughs) No one is more delighted than Phyllis that her previous sales consulting work turned into amplifying and selling the messages of her clients. In between listening to podcasts, you'll find her with a book or checking out live music or practicing piano. She's an avid list maker, a girl after my own heart, which feeds her office supply addiction, also a girl after my own heart, (laughs) and gives her a way to keep track of all the podcast ideas that pop up daily. How fun is that? Phyllis, welcome. I'm so, so glad you're here. Well, thank you, Jennifer. It's really nice to be here. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're somebody I enjoy so much and I'm excited to hear. I have not heard this story and I want, I want to hear your background and I want to share you with my audience. So let's just jump right in. So Phyllis, would you mind just telling us what was life like when you were living under the shoulds? Yeah, thank you. You know, I gave some thought to this and so two things really kind of come up for me. So one thing is for a variety of reasons, I was really raised and I didn't really realize this until I was well into my twenties that I was just sort of raised to take the feelings and concerns of other people kind of into account. I, so it ultimately, I ended up being sort of this person who honestly, until probably it actually was into my thirties before I feel like I really got a handle on this that felt like it was my responsibility to make sure everybody else was okay. Like everybody else was having a good time or everybody else was happy essentially. So that obviously meant for a long time, I, you know, I put my own needs below sort of or beneath the needs of others, certainly. And even, you know, there were some points probably in my early twenties as a young adult that I didn't even have the awareness to know that this is sort of, you know, just kind of how ingrained all of this was for me. Yeah. It's been a big transition, I should say, from that and to, to now. I certainly, and I still care a lot about other people. And there are 
little things that I, you know, still today that I will recognize and be like, okay, like, you know what? I am really not like that lady over there at the grocery store who looks like she's about ready to cry. Like it's really, I can be kind and empathetic to her, but it's not my job to make sure she's okay. Yeah. Like like sometimes it's okay for me to just do what I need to do for me, that kind of thing. But, you know, as you know, some of this is so strongly ingrained. You just really have to have some perspective on it, I think. Yeah. I imagine there are so many heads nodding along with you as we're listening to the story, because I want to say this not to diminish your experience, but to kind of bring us together. It's so common that women, girls, because this is where we start, right? Girls are really expected to take care of the feelings of others, but we're not really encouraged to take care of our own feelings. That's so true. And, and I think you're right. And one of the other things that I wanted to bring out too, if somebody is listening and because in conjunction with this sort of taking care of other people thing, I was also in both overt and very subtle ways uh, told, you know, I was sort of too much, right? I'm too loud, oh, yeah. too opinionated, too aggressive. And yeah, so it was a little bit of a, you know, so there were times when I would recognize and be like, no, like I'm going to really go for this, right? Some things that we would normally applaud, I think, we'll just talk in a business context, right? So in a business context, typically, you know, like being aggressive and really going for what you want and not being, and being sort of fearless about maybe taking us a, a risk or, or really kind of going for it, right? Even the language and that sort of thing yeah. is typically kind of seen as a good thing or as a positive thing, but for women, really not so much. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of times I feel like I either didn't do it, I didn't go for it kind of the way I would, or I would try to, and then I would sort of shrink back. So I, you know, I just yeah. was played smaller than I should have for a long time. I love that you're bringing this up because as you were describing this sort of go for it attitude, I was thinking it's very masculine. And so when you said women aren't really encouraged to be that way, yeah. it comes, it definitely, there's a way we're treated when we're young that girls are nurturing and boys are rough and tumble, you know, the whole boys right. will be boys mentality. Right. And then how that affects us as we grow up. So I'm curious, and I'm sure there, I have no doubt people are like, yes, I was told. I remember, by the way, my best friend growing up, if she watches this, she'll appreciate this, but my best <laughs> friend growing up, her mom said to her one time, and that Jenny, she's so loud about me, you know, and I don't even really remember a lot of too much, but I remember that specifically. So, you know, it really hits you. So before the business days, before you weren't willing to go for it, when you were just, I'm just curious how this played out. Like, did it stop you, this idea of being too much? Did it cause you to sort of shrink down in your sort of like, I'm thinking teen to young adult years where you didn't want to stand out. You didn't want to draw attention. Is that how it manifested? Yeah, it, it did. And and also in just the choices that I made, like I didn't go to college because I was sort of, I don't want to say I was discouraged from going, but I wasn't encouraged to okay. go. So I, like just all these like choices that I made because, and again, part of that was just, I really wanted to go and I ended up going a little bit later and, but I just didn't stand up for myself. You know, I just didn't say, yeah, I'm really yeah. going to go. I'm going to fill out the applications. I'm going to, we're going to, you know, I want to go visit some schools, that kind of thing. I just didn't do it. And and again, in hindsight, it just didn't even, it kind of didn't occur to me to really fight for it. Yeah. It well, just I wouldn't mean, have occurred to me. So, yeah. So it, 
it definitely made an impact in some, you know, pretty big life decisions. And, and, you know, I think things have turned out really great. And I, I'm not looking back with a lot of regret. I, I don't really have any major regret, but I certainly wish I could have gotten kind of past this a little sooner in life, certainly. But yeah, it, it definitely, that's how it played out. And also, I think there's not a woman probably alive who hasn't either let a guy win or not speak up at a business meeting with yes. your great idea because you just know somebody's going to get irritated or not even irritated by it, but it's going to be seen as too pushy. Like we applaud really successful women. I just yes. saw an interview with uh, Sarah Blakely, the woman who created Spanx. Oh, you know, yeah. She's a billionaire and a self-made millionaire, but there were probably some times when she had to be super aggressive and pushy and probably even maybe to the point of being obnoxious to get some things done. And we applaud people when they sort of get to this place, Mm -hmm. right? But a lot of times I think, especially for women, you know, if you're in the messy middle part there, you have to do what you have to do and you may not get applauded. In fact, you know, you might be told to wait your turn Mm -hmm. or I know a friend who's running for office and she was told like, it's not, you know, like, you should wait your turn. You should volunteer on somebody else's campaign first, things like that. And I don't think people are really not trying to do her harm. I think they're just, it's just the way we see things. And this also shows up one of the things, and you know, with podcasting, I'm I'm always looking at languaging and sort of content and, and especially audio content and video content. One of the things that's also this, how this plays out a lot too, in very subtle ways, it's just in, um, the way that we speak. So there's been a ton of studies done about this since the 70s all the way up to just last year. Women are interrupted way more frequently in every kind of setting, even on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. The wow. women on the Supreme Court are interrupted by their male colleagues 33% more or a third more than the men interrupt their than the other men, right? It's crazy. And you know, these are obviously super accomplished women right. <laughs> who have every right to be speaking and asking questions. And so anyway, so this, so I want women, if there's anybody who's listening, who's had some of these experiences to know, first of all, you're not wrong for speaking up. Right. If you feel like you're sort of playing smaller or shrinking, like, I think we know, we know when we're you know, maybe not taking the chance or not raising our hand, you know, whether it's metaphorically or, you know what I mean? We, I think most of us realize sometimes when we're sort of, we're calculating in our head, like, do I want to say anything or do I just kind of want to be, kind of go along and get along, right? Like, I don't want to be the person who's sort of, you know, going to throw a wrench into the plans of the, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. So I think that feeling certainly happens a lot in a business setting you know, even in personal day mix too, I don't think there's a woman out there who hasn't let her boyfriend or her husband win at a game or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. And again, I love men. I'm not bashing men. I, I mean, know. some of them, yeah. it's not like Kelvin, would, my husband would never ask me to do this, but certainly early on our career, I'm sure I let him win or or whatever, like yeah. sometimes, right? Because that's just what we're sort of thought that's the nice thing to do, right? Yes. And that's what we're talking about. These ingrained expectations and shoulds. There's so much in here, Phyllis, that I'm so interested in. And so I know women can see themselves in what you're talking about. And I want to say what's interesting is as you're talking, that risk that you're talking about, what we're calculating is what is the outcome of that? So if I speak up, what's going to happen? And what, so what's interesting is I talk about how women live under the shoulds and they don't 
recognize it. But I like what you just said about how we know that we're making these calculations. What I actually think women don't know is that it can be different. Now, we can't control getting interrupted 33% more than our male. We can't control that. But what we can control is kind of that BS that we're telling ourselves that if I speak up, people will think differently of me and this will happen. Yes, that may happen, but how would you rather live your life? Sitting there calculating the risk or actually doing what you want to do? And I think that's the difference. So in that vein, I'm curious, was there something that happened in your life to help you see it and help you shift it? Was it a series of events? How did you recognize what was going on and make changes for yourself? Well, certainly there were, I mean, obviously it was more, it wasn't just one thing, but do you think one of the things that helped me the most was uh, in my late twenties, pardon me, I got a, uh, a sales job and it was kind of my first sales job. I moved away. I moved about 90 miles away to here to Columbus, Ohio, where I live now. And I didn't know anybody who lived here. This is just where the job was. And it was wow. a job I really wanted. And yeah. um, it was a commission only job, which I tell people this and they're like, they just roll their eyes at me. I just was like, I thought it was like the greatest thing ever. I was so <laughs> excited and I did actually did really, really well. And so a couple of things though, that helped, right? So one of the things about this is that it was up to me, right? And this is one of these kinds of positions where the effort and the energy and the focus and everything, like it was on me to do those things and to take those actions. And I look back now, I can't even believe it. I was given a lot of latitude. And so I just went for it kind of, I didn't, there was nobody really holding me back. There wasn't Mm -hmm. anybody saying, oh, you have to do it like this. You have to do it like that. So that was actually really helpful. It also kind of forced me to, you know, to figure out what worked, right? Like I had to, there are times I had to be aggressive. I had to, you know, I had to, I was in the IT space at the time and I had to call most of my clients were men. They were head of like a data center or the CIO and whatever. So, you know, I was talking most, and I just, I just had to call and I had to make contacts and I had to get to know people. And I didn't have a network of friends and say, introduce me to your friend that works over here, that kind of thing. But honestly, this all really helped me because I was, I really liked doing it and I, I did really well. And I, I think it just, put me in a place where, you know, nobody told me to stop. Nobody told me to like, not to speak up. You know what I mean? Like it was the kind of position where these things were actually encouraged and rewarded. And I did well. And, and then the people who actually I was working for at the time, men, of course, great guys, but you know, they were sort of like, the better I did, the the more sort of, I think acknowledgement, but also encouragement. And then, then they actually asked me to really like to show other people. They were like, oh my gosh, wow. you're doing really well. Like, can you show some other people how you've done this? Cause you sort of just jumped in and all these things. So that was a really big, that first year, 18 months or so of that job, especially like it was a huge growth, both personally and professionally, but I also kind of came in on the other side of that going. And here's one of the other things I learned through this too, Jennifer, is that you know, I figured out like, there really aren't any rules, Mm. right? Like it's just sort of what works for you and what fits you and what feels right for you. So 
I think that's the first time I was, and again, I was 29, 30, I was close to 30 when I took this job. And, you know, it was like probably one of the first times in my life where it kind of clicked like, oh my God, like I really can kind of just do things the way that I want to do them. If, you know, there really aren't any like rules, it's okay to just do it my way. Wait, I want to pause for a second because I think this is really important. So what I'm hearing you say, and I want you to tell me if I've got this correctly, is Okay, so you took this leap of faith, you jumped into this job, and you kind of jumped in with both feet and I did. really embraced it. And because it was all on you, the more you put yourself into it, the better the outcome. So it sort of fed itself. And then at some point, you just kind of looked around like, wait, all these things that scared me or held me back or you know, fill in the blank, none of it's real. Right. It's just all these things that we are afraid of. But if we actually go after it, all these things we're terrified about don't actually happen. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, actually, you said it better, actually. Yes. But I had a chance to process first. Yeah, it's very, very true, right? So yeah, that's absolutely right. And it was really, it just felt good too, right? Like it felt really good. It was a hard job, don't get me wrong. I mean, I was, I look back now, I'm like, oh my God. You know, in hindsight, like- yeah knowing now what I know about the job and how hard things were and all that kind of thing, like I would never tell my younger self necessarily to do it. Cause like when you know what you don't know, then you're like, totally. I don't have children, but I know that you do. And I've heard other people that are young parents say that be like, Oh my God. Like if people tell you what being a mom, you know, a little baby, like you just wouldn't even do it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you're, but you do it because now you're a mom and you just sort of have to do it. So that's a little bit like that sort of sort of like, but I just did it. That's why I think so many times in life, there are these things where we don't really know. And there's a reason we don't know, right? Yes. It, yes. Otherwise, it would stop ourselves. Right. So. We would never take a step forward. So yeah. having learned these lessons and shifted what you were thinking about things and how you were showing up, how is your life different now than, say, before you took the leap into that job? How is it different for you not responding to expectations and shoulds? Well. First of all, I think there are times when I still will find myself concerned about things like yes. that. And, and you're human. But I have yes. I have a much higher level of awareness though, right? I immediately kind of can recognize when that's happening. But I also, you know, things I've just been a lot, I don't know, a lot more successful. I think also a lot less stress and anxiety, right? Because I'm just doing what I try to anyway. My approach is to do what like feels right for me, what sort of ethically correct, right for me as a person, the kind yeah. of values that I want to have, not to get all like deep about stuff, but you know, they're deep about stuff. I love that here. <laughs> but you know, they're like, and I also have learned, I think to cut myself some slack, like I don't have to be perfect. I'm not yeah. responsible for everybody else under the sun. I mean, yes. certainly I have friends and family that I care for and, and people for, you know, I, I want to be happy and do well and be successful. Right. But yeah. it's, not my responsibility to make sure everybody else is okay at my expense, especially. That I think um, is the key right there at your yeah. expense. Yes, please go on. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think those things are significant. You know, and the other thing I finally can, I can't always recognize it, but I can understand it as I'm, if I'm processing, if I find myself in a difficult situation or I'm getting really, maybe somebody who's responding really negatively it's almost always, I'm not perfect. So sometimes I might do or say something that's, that's not right. And that I, you know, where somebody will correct me or ask me to, to discuss something, maybe to find my true intention and that kind of thing. But almost all the time 
and people that are listening, if you run into this too, if you feel like people are sort of criticizing you or expecting, you know, encouraging again, like this person who's being encouraged to not run for office, it's like, you know, that's really a reflection of the person who's talking to you. Yeah. In that case, the person who's being told not to run for office, one of the people who are telling her that I think it's just, they're really threatened. You know, I think they have their own regrets about maybe not doing something sooner in their own life. And so now they're kind of, they don't want her to get out there too far ahead of them. That kind of thing I can recognize. Certainly it's easier. Obviously, you know, this as a coach, right? It's so much easier to see these patterns in others. Of course. But yeah. I definitely have a little more of awareness and I, and I would encourage other women to just understand that sometimes that criticism, especially if, if somebody's telling you to metaphorically or in real life to be quiet or to yeah. to settle down and and not speak out too much or those kinds of things you know it's it's probably much more of a reflection of how the other person feels about themselves than how they yeah. feel about you i would totally agree i think it's more about their discomfort than it is about you and for sure this is why i am so passionate about encouraging women to love themselves yeah. because then particularly when you can recognize what's going on outside of yourself you're much more okay. You don't yes. need that person to validate you or you don't need that person to tell you what to do. And I also just want to say how much I appreciate you. A few times you said, I'm not perfect. And like, can we just start a movement? Like, hallelujah, we're all not perfect. It's yeah, such an unattainable exactly. expectation. And right. so I love that you said that. And the thing is, is like actually imperfect people who embrace their imperfection are way more fun to be around. Let's be honest. <laughs> As a recovering perfectionist, right, I can right. say that, you know? Yeah. So I love that. All right. So let me wrap this in a different direction. You have such a beautiful company and you really support female entrepreneurs. So I'm wondering if that experience brought you to that place in your business or was it just something you loved? So how did that come about? You know, it's interesting. I I've had my company since 2008 and we were originally doing like sales copy and, and sales sort of related stuff. And, and then digital marketing became super, you know, the thing. And so we started doing a lot of copy and, and strategy around that. And so one of our copy clients actually said, I want to start a podcast. And I actually had started okay. a podcast. So the dare came, like I had talked, I was in a mastermind group at the time years ago, a number of years ago. And we did these like, I don't know. I think it was like three months, six months and one year goals or something. And so for a long time, like I started a podcast was on my goal sheet. And then that's sort of where the dare. Finally, they were like, okay, like you can't just keep putting that on there and not doing it. <laughs> that's you know? hilarious. So like, if you don't really start it, then we're going to maybe kick you out of the group. And I, uh, I don't okay. think they would have kicked me out. But I think, again, that was sort of like, they were really kind of calling me on it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so we had just finished that. I had just launched my podcast and and this client said, you know, I'd really like to have one. Would you help me do it? And I was like, okay, sure. We just sort of figured this out for mine so we can do that. And um, it went well. She's still podcasting today. She's getting ready to have her four-year podcast anniversary. And um, a couple of months later, fortunately, a, a, a friend referred somebody else to us. And that's kind of how things got rolling. And which is great. One of the other things that, I'm glad that I did, right? Is, you know, I said yes. I mean, honestly, in the beginning, Jennifer, you know, I mean, I had started a podcast and I I maybe knew a little bit more than somebody who hadn't started a podcast would know, but I certainly had did not like I was deeply schooled on the topic because I was not. They had a little faith in me and we had a little faith in them and it worked out. So 
I think that's one of those times where in life where, you know, instead of going, Oh, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Like, uh-huh. I'm not sure I've only done my own. I'm not sure I could do it for other people. I don't know what we're going to charge money for. Right. Right. Like that. I said, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And that was kind of a big, a big thing <laughs> and a big moment. And then one of the things I think now that we've been doing this for a long time and we've, you know, I've done a lot of research and I, I, I do know a lot about it. Yeah. You <laughs> um, do now. Yeah. But one of the things, and this is sort of feels like a full circle thing for me in a lot of ways is that I've learned that, you know, women are really underrepresented in the podcast world as a whole. Yeah. There are tons of very good podcasters that are, don't get me wrong. There are lots of really smart, amazing women who are podcasting, but we're still really underrepresented. When I first started podcasting, it was only like six or 7% of podcasts were by women. We're now up to maybe 11 or 12%. Is that all? Yeah, it's still a small number. I had no Um, idea. Yeah. And so we were talking about, you know, the women maybe being interrupted or, or not being heard a lot, but I mean, in a lot of ways in the podcast world in particular, women's voices literally are not being heard on a number of topics. And so I'm really passionate about helping other women to be heard. And um, if that's something that they want to do, most women, I'm not saying everybody in the world should have a podcast, although probably everybody could, but I just want some women out there to know, like, if there's lots of women that have a lot to say that have, you know, they're smart, that have great insights, that all kinds of things. And I don't want fear or lack of sort of knowledge or anything to stop them, right? To, you know, I want people to find a way. And to that point, this is something you might not know yet. We're launching a Sound Advice FM, which is going to be a podcast network specifically for women podcasters. Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. I interrupted you. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about the network? Yeah, I just keep it at that. I mean, it's it's, okay. it's Sound Advice FM. There's still going to be individual women podcasters and their podcasts will still be doing their thing. But by bringing people together, that's sort of a, a community of podcasters, we can leverage things like marketing capability and nice. uh, potential ads and sponsor capability that one of us on our own might not be able to get, but a group of us together can. And so, and it also is just to help bring more people and bring a bigger audience to some of the amazing women podcasters that I know that they're doing amazing work and they're sharing amazing information and just more and more people need to hear them. And this is a great way to do it. This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. I'm so, so glad you brought that up. And I'm just thinking how lovely this is that our conversation started from taking other people's needs into consideration, too loud, too big, interrupted, all full circle to you are going to amplify women's voices in a field that is so male dominated. It's so, so beautiful. Phyllis, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. I loved hearing what your experiences were and where you're at. I think this is so fantastic. Is there anything I didn't ask you that maybe you want it, or is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up? No, you've been really great. And thank you for letting me chat about this. One thing I will tell people though, if there's somebody watching who has questions or information, feel free to reach out to me at Sound Advice Strategies, our website. We have a free, it's an opt-in, but there's a free like 50 page guide about podcasting that'll literally walk you through everything from planning to everything. Um, (laughs) So if you want to 
learn, or if you're in the education process, research process, please take advantage of that and connect with me and let me know. And if somebody out there has a great podcast that they'd like to maybe be part of the network, or if somebody wants to nominate someone to be part of the network, I would love to hear from them. We really want to have a group of just really smart, fun, interesting, diverse women. And yeah, so help me out. I love it. And how can people connect with you? You said the website, but are there Mm -hmm. other ways to really like get to know you? Sure. Um, Probably the best way, the place where I'm probably most active is on Twitter, actually, which is my name, Phyllis Nichols, at Phyllis Nichols, like all one word. Okay. The same thing over at Instagram. I do have a Facebook page, but I don't interact there a lot. So actually, Twitter and Instagram and the website are probably the three best places. There is a a contact form on the site. So if you want to just ask a question or shoot me a note or anything like that, definitely put it there. Um, It'll get to me. I will see it. I'd love to hear from anybody who has any questions or feedback. Fantastic. And we will put all your information in this post and people can get in touch with you. Phyllis, this has been so, I never use this word, but it's been delightful. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's been nice for me too. Thank you for letting me share all of that. I feel like I've just sort of like dumped all this like story on you, but it's been fun. And you are quite the good interviewer. I've watched some of your other interviews and I just really love and appreciate how engaging and how generous you are at allowing other people to share their stories. It's really lovely. Thank you, Phyllis. I really appreciate that. And the whole point is for other women, if they feel stuck, to see that there are choices out there that they may not even recognize. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Hey friend, if you recognize yourself in these stories and you don't want to give a should anymore, you have to join my coaching community, the GC. Come learn the tools to recognize when fear and worry are running the show and how to shift into more of what you want without guilt or blowing up your life. Unless of course, that's what you want. Inside the GC, you'll learn strategies to start making yourself a priority. Stop saying yes when you mean no. Have hard conversations and so much more. And you get to do this with a group of women who are making the same changes in their lives and are there to support you, not judge you. It's a seriously warm, safe space where genuine connections are made. The GC is where doubt and loneliness meet their match. You can get all the info at jennifersherwood.com slash the GC. But if you're not ready for something like that yet, I've got you. Head over to my website, jennifersherwood.com and hit the relief right now button. I'll send three ridiculously simple steps to go from overwhelm to ease. <laughs>